0: Welcome to our podcast. This is Lee. This is Cammie. Thank you for joining us on our self-employed journey.
1: We hope you'll join us as we go through the ups and downs of our business ownership and growth.
0: We will be bringing you weekly episodes talking about our own adventures, interviewing other business owners and sprinkling in some fun topics to keep this podcast relevant and upbeat.
1: So if you like what you hear,
0: please don't forget to subscribe at the end and give feedback for future episodes. All right, let's do this. I've been telling everyone about you. I was flying and you were flying from Vegas to Reno. Mm -hmm. And we ended up sitting next to each other on the flight. And I don't know how we ended up talking about what you're doing. You know, I have this nonprofit background. And you told me you're starting a nonprofit. It was amazing for me to hear such a... What, are you 17? Yeah, I
1: just barely turned 17. You
0: just turned 17. So I'm having this conversation with you that felt like I was having a conversation with a friend that's 40. No offense, you're.
1: <laughs> I, man, I'm taking that as a compliment. So I'm 17, a junior in high school, and I have started Protect Strong, which is an LLC. Then I'm also starting Live Life Bigger, which is a nonprofit organization. And my goal really is to empower, strengthen, inspire, and protect families and kids from the harmful effects of social media and the depression and anxiety that causes from pornography. Really, the main goal is to put just a little more love into the crazy world that we live in and to put more connection into this world. It's been a great journey. It's been hard. It's been a lot of work, but it's also been amazing. And I love meeting people like you who have helped me so much. Without that help and the guidance I've been given, I wouldn't be anywhere right now. I just want to say just kind of a funny thing. When I'm traveling by myself, I tend to sit by or gravitate people who look like my family and you look like one of my favorite aunts. Um, And so I was like, okay, we'll sit next to her. I was looking out your window because you were in the window seat and Uh at the Vegas lights, you know, being from Utah, we don't see that a lot. I was looking at the lights and I just thought you might think that I was just like staring or something and so I was like man don't see that in Utah (laughs) started having that conversation which was amazing I need as much help as I can get right now we talked a little bit after and kept in touch a little through text you sent me some really great resources
0: we had to delay this because something horrible has happened to one of your mentors and I want to if you're okay with that go over that And kind of like what your plans are to, because I see you taking on the role of what he has implemented.
1: Unfortunately, one of my great friends and mentors through all this passed away three weeks ago from yesterday. It was was really heartbreaking for me. It was really hard because myself, I saw that he was so necessary. His name's Colin Karchner. He was so necessary in the fight that I've joined And he was so influential to so many people. I felt the world lose a hero. Just knowing what he would have wanted, knowing Mm -hmm. that he was so invested in the cause, it lit that fire for me. And it's just given me motivation and determination and energy to keep on doing what I'm doing.
0: Honestly, you're in the back of my mind a lot. You know, when we talk about mentors and and when we were on the plane and you were talking about Colin and then we were going to do a podcast and you texted and let me know what happened. I immediately knew who he was because you had talked about him and his mentorship to you. He's a stranger to me, but like the connection that you and I had and the talk that we had, I've never been so sad for a loss of someone that I didn't know because I know how much that affects you. Yeah. There's a reason why you meet people. There's always a reason. I was talking to one of my friends the other day and I said, you know what, if Smith needs anything. I will be there. Like, I am stoked on what you're doing. I feel like because of this loss, you just said the the fires lit under you. You already have the fire. You already had it. It's just now even stronger. Yeah. And if there's anything that I can do with my knowledge or my power or whatever I have, I'm going to be right there by your side. No matter what, anytime, call me anytime. Thank you. What I would love is for you to, if you're comfortable, tell your story of how you got into this. Like, when did this all start and how did you get into this passion?
1: As of like my business and my nonprofit, I basically started formulating ideas and plans early this summer. But the reason why I do this, the reason why I'm so passionate about this and I try and get my message out as much as I can to as many people, as many kids, especially as I can is because of connection. And I talk about this so much. Um, I've started speaking some more. And what I talk about a lot is humans need connection. It's horrible because when we, we're growing up as kids, we are t- told that, you know, we need a certain amount of sleep. We're told that we need certain vitamins and we need to eat our fruits and our vegetables. And we're told that we need to read books so that our brains can develop. And we're told to choose now not to do drugs. And we're told, do all this stuff. And we're made aware of all these things but the one thing that we're not made aware of is that we need connection we can have nothing in our life but if we have connection and love that's all that matters social media today pornography video games screen addiction we're tearing away connection and love from our kids we're giving them a fake connection that they can't draw real emotion from and we're not giving it to them ourselves right we're letting Mm -hmm. our kids go and get entertainment and love from a phone in their pocket instead of from their family. The reason I'm so passionate about what I do, the reason I'm so passionate about helping as many people as I can is because I struggled a lot with pornography as a little kid. And I was exposed at a really early age, eight and a half. It kind of just corrupted the way that I thought. It corrupted the way that I saw the world. And even though I was fairly quick to get out of that situation, it's still like my brain remembered the chemicals that were dumped, the endorphins that I felt. So then as I was going age 10, 11, 12, 13, where, you know, those ages are already hard no matter who you are. Whenever I felt uncomfortable, whenever I was bored, lonely, stressed, tired, any of those feelings, my coping mechanism was pornography. My coping mechanism was to spend a stupid amount of time on social media and video games. It's because it was so easy. It was so easy for me to get on my phone, and to get what I thought was love from that. The more that I did it, the deeper that I got involved, farther that I pushed my family away, the farther that I pushed my friends away. It really was just a horrible point in my life.
0: Did you get depression?
1: I'm not diagnosed with depression, but uh-huh. there were many times where like, I did not want to live the life that I was living. Every day, I thought that life wasn't worth living. Every single day, I just got through the day, To numb myself and get to the next day. Because if Mm -hmm. I could get to the next day, like, that was an achievement. Did your
0: parents see that? Did you have, like, times where your parents were, like, noticing that you were having signs of feeling that way?
1: Yeah, for sure. They definitely saw that. But what's horrible is that as a society, we kind of write that off right now as a teenage phase. You know, we're like, Mm -hmm. oh, they're just teenagers. They're like that. They're moody and they're, you know, their hormones make them sad and their hormones... Just make them that way. I don't believe that. I don't buy that. And I tell kids all the time that kids and humans in general were created. We were created for the sole purpose of being happy and having joy. Yeah, my life sucked. I really felt broken. There's a quote by Gabe Deem. He always says, there's no amount of porn that can love you back. And I felt that. But I still tried to get it because it was so easily accessible. It was easier to get on my phone and try and get love from that than to go and tell my parents that I was broken and that I needed healing. I felt the need to hide it especially being a part of my church. I think there's a lot of shame there for problems with pornography. Yeah. I think in the American culture itself, I think even in the worldly culture, there's this thing where it's not cool anymore for boys to be emotional. We have sculpted our society to where it is shameful to go for a young man to go to his parents and tell them that he's broken and that he needs help being Mm -hmm. fixed. And my parents were very open. We had a lot of open discussion about pornography and the harmful effects. They were loving and caring and supportive. And they are amazing people. My parents are the salt of the earth. But it wasn't enough for me. I just didn't have the bravery to tell them myself.
0: So you guys had conversations over pornography and the effects of it while you were in the addiction phase and they didn't know it.
1: They weren't sure. At least, I mean, again, my mom... My mom would see these sides of me and she'd wonder because as a little kid, like I was just happy and always just this huge smile on my face a lot like I am now. And my mom saw this side of me and she talked to her friends about it and they'd just say, oh, you know, it's that teenage face. I don't think she really connected those two things. Finally, there was a point where my parents caught me and I'm really glad that they did. Yeah. It was honestly the best day of my life. And just like that burden lifted off my shoulders felt amazing. I decided at that point in my life that I was going to work to be something better and to be something bigger, take steps to fix myself, you know, kind of pick up the pieces and put them back together. My parents were very supportive throughout this. I always tell parents, if you find out that your kids are struggling with something, whether it be pornography or social media, screen addiction, if you find out that your your kids are struggling, the three things that you can do is give them a hug, tell them that you love them, and ask them how you can support them and work towards something better. My parents didn't react perfectly, but they did react very well for um, not having that training, I guess. There was one night where my mom came down to me, and she grabbed my face, and she said, Smith, I will never stop fighting for you, but you have to fight for yourself first. That was the moment. That was the moment where I'm like, okay, I am taking this head on. I'm going to do everything that I have to to overcome this. I'm going to do everything that I have to to come out on the other end of this, a better person. Mm -hmm. And so I just started doing every little thing to better myself. So I talked to religious leaders about my problem. I joined a program for young men in the church struggling with pornography called Sons of Helaman. That was great for me. But most importantly, I started to realize, and I got rid of the toxicity in my life. I got off social media and I realized that the love that I was trying to get from a screen wasn't going to be enough and that the love that I needed was with my friends and with my family and um, with God too. When I was able to connect with myself, feel confident in myself, feel like there was a heavenly power looking down on me and that felt proud of me, feeling like my family loved me and my friends cared about me for the first time in a very long time. I realized then that that feeling, which every day since I felt that that day has been better and better and better. It's an exponential curve from here. Every day of my life is just multiple times better than the first one. And the day before that and the day before that. And I wanted every kid to have that. And Mm -hmm. it's my drive. It's my passion to be able to help people. The reason I'm doing that is because I learned about statistics. And I learned I was not the only one who's broken. I learned through statistics Mm -hmm. that when I go to school and I look at people in the hall, That every single person I make eye contact with is struggling with something. Maybe it's not pornography, but maybe it's social media. Maybe the girls that I see in the hall are starving themselves. Or maybe they're cutting themselves. Or maybe they just feel worthless because social media tells them that. Maybe the boys in the hall aren't struggling with pornography, but maybe they're struggling with depression. Maybe they go home every day and play eight hours of video games to get out of the world that they actually live in. When I realized that like at any any second, 35% of the internet's downloads are pornographic. When I realized that any second 28,000 people are consuming pornography, $3,000 are being spent every second. It hit me like I'm not the only one. And it killed me because I wanted to be the only one. And I wanted to be the only one that had to deal with that. Because when I thought about kids having to feel that way, It broke my heart. And when I learned that over the last 10 years, we've had a 56% suicide increase among teens and a 60% rise in depression, I knew that there was something wrong.
0: And you correlate that with the connection of increase in social media. Mm
1: -hmm. Instagram is exactly 10 years. And in the last 10 years, we've had that 56% suicide increase and 60% rise in depression.
0: It's not a coincidence.
1: And I don't know why we as humans look at this and then, you know, turn the other way and just let these tech companies make billions of dollars at the expense of our mental health. So me
0: being a mom, you're telling me about all this. And the thing is, is that I think the reason why you are so inspiring to me, things that you're bringing up right now, the majority of us have no idea. When you give me that statistic, when you say it's increased 56%. I don't think that society is just ignoring it. I honestly don't believe we know it. That's also true. Right. And that's why I feel like your role and what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve and the passion that you have behind it is so Mm -hmm. important to get the message out there because there's moms like me who literally had no clue that statistic was there.
1: You know, a lot of people don't know what's happening. And it's because there's such a vast majority of things out there that you literally do not have the time in the day to see everything that your kid is doing digitally. If parents would spend 10 minutes watching TikTok videos, realizing the content that's on them, realizing what your small children are learning, no parent in their right minds would let their kids have that. There's so much time involved in looking at the 300 apps that are out there for your kids to go spend time on which is why I try and do what I do. But there's also this thing that Colin used to talk about a lot. We call it NMK syndrome, and that's not my kid syndrome. And a lot of parents, when they hear about these things, they're like, well, that's not my kid. And I think a lot of it is because we as a society associate pornography, addictions, you know, depression with a certain type of person, a certain type of kid.
0: Well, and I think that it goes farther than that, actually, because a lot of times that... What do you call it? Not my kid syndrome. Not my kid syndrome. That goes far beyond just the pornography. I see people going, oh, no, my kid. No, my kid wouldn't have hit your kid. And it's like, oh, yeah, no. And of course, my kid's not not doing
1: that. Yeah, it's all this. Yeah, my kid. My kid isn't Mm -hmm. destroying themselves because of social media. My kid doesn't have a problem with playing too much video games. My kid would never do anything wrong. It's because that parents love their kids and parents think that their kids are the best. And I tell parents all the time, your kids are amazing. All kids are amazing, which is why I'm trying to share my story. I am a normal kid. I get good grades in school. I do a lot of extracurricular. I play sports. I take college classes in high school. And we need to get rid of this idea that there's that certain type of person and it's your kid that doesn't do that. Because me, Smith Alley, I, I struggle. And I'm a good kid. I know that. But I still struggle because everyone struggles and this not my kid syndrome is what's destroying our society, really. Then we don't give kids the love and the protection and the support that they need. And it's heartbreaking. You know, the biggest thing is just realizing that it's out there. And why I'm trying to put my story out there is Mm -hmm. for everyone to realize that it happened to me, you know, a good kid living in bountiful Utah. Nothing, nothing bad happens in bountiful. (laughs) And that just goes to show like this is everywhere. People need to realize that. I got to this point in my life, right, where I just feel so amazing. I never say that I overcame a struggle because I'm overcoming a struggle because everyone is always struggling and I still struggle with my neuropathways and chemicals in my brain because I'm a teenager. I struggle with all these things, but I've finally been able to find joy in the fight because I'm trying because I don't give up. I have joy and I'm happy. And I got to this point where I felt Mm -hmm. so good. I feel so good that I couldn't keep that to myself. I saw all these other kids Mm -hmm. struggling. And when I saw those statistics, I looked around at school and I paid more attention. You know, at school, the grocery store, on my my lacrosse team, paid attention. And I saw it. I saw the kids hurting. I really wanted to help. So I just started with little things. I started with talking to friends, kids on my lacrosse team, getting them help. Just the little things at first. I did a presentation for 200 people. Speaking on the harmful effects of pornography and social media. It was was at at a church event. I actually did it for my Eagle Scout project. And then after that, I just fell in love with helping. I fell in love with speaking. I fell in love with um, talking to people, then looking out into the crowd and just hoping that my message could change one life. I just started to plan more and more of these events, planned high school assembly, other of these small presentations for church groups, youth groups, anything that I could do. I was planning The summer, when I had all these things planned, and in the spring, everything was canceled due to COVID.
0: It kind of changes the path, right?
1: From the time I was 14, I had gotten a job at Chick-fil-A. When I turned 16, they made me a manager there. And I I had like a midlife crisis at 16 years old.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I thought I was peaking. I'm like,
1: there's no way that like, I am the most qualified person here to do this. And I have to do something that I'm passionate about. And I want to do something that you know, I just kind of remembered me speaking. I remembered having these great interactions and these great experiences. And I wanted more of that. I quit my job at Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. and I started Pro Tech Strong. For the first month, it was actually really hard. My service, I go into families' homes and I talk to their kids and their family about pornography and social media and technology and the harmful effects. And then I help parents set up restrictions and web filters, internet safety blocks so that they can feel confident because there's a lot of parents mm-hmm. who just don't know how to deal with the tech side of it. Now, the first month or two was actually really hard because what I talk to my parents about all the time is I'm, I'm not selling candy bars. I'm selling yeah. a lot of hard change. I'm asking people to change their habits and to change the way they think and to change the way they act on a daily basis. And it's really hard.
0: Well, okay. So hold on. Let me just say something here because what you told me earlier where, where your mom came in and said, you know what, I'm behind you hundred percent. I support you a hundred percent, but you've got to support yourself a hundred percent first. No, you're not selling candy. Yes, you're asking people to cha- to do these changes, but it's almost like you now need to take the role of what your yeah, mom says. to Yeah, exactly.
1: Did. I'm out here trying to help these parents, but they, they have to help themselves, right? They have to want to help themselves, and they have to mm-hmm. want to help their kids, and they have to want to protect their families. It was really hard for that to happen to some families, and I'd reach out to people and be like, Hey, you commented on my post and said that you like what I'm doing. You want me to come over? You know, I I know you have four kids. And they'd be like, no, we love what you're doing, but that's not really for us. It pained me because this yeah. is for everyone. That's yeah. why I'm doing what I'm doing because because of those st- statistics. And I think it's crazy that people think they're like a statistical outlier.
0: It's almost like they're in denial or it's like, oh, we love what you're doing and your passion and your desire to help and what you've gone through is amazing. Yeah, it's But we're not dealing with It's yeah. like that. It's more no, not my kid not syndrome. My kid. Yeah. We're grateful
1: for you. We love what you're doing, but that's not our kid. Denial. For sure. Denial. And it really was hard um, <laughs> dealing with that at first. And it really was hard to get people to realize that. And that's when I met Colin. You know, I had already known about Colin before, but I reached out to him and I was like, hey, Colin, this is my, here's my story. Here's what I'm trying to do now. Can you just like give me a shout out on one of your Instagram stories he had? At this point, 197,000 followers. He now has 264,000. But I was just like, even that will help so much. And he said, hey, Smith, love your story. Why don't you just come share on my podcast? Lots of reach that way. And then being able to work with him, being able to learn from him, just kind of being his presence. And he really was an amazing mentor. He really was someone who taught me so much, someone who I looked up to. He put 110% into his movement called Save the Kids because that's all he cared about. All he cared about was saving the kids. Mm-hmm. He was able to, you know, boost my business, get me a lot of, you know, marketing, having that reach kind of yeah. just took off from there. Yep. And it's something that I'm still working on growing. And I'm in that super like baby phase of business, right? It's very hard. It's very demanding. It's a lot of work <laughs> to do this in high school. Lots of meetings, lots of things that I don't know how to do because I'm just a high schooler, but it's a movement that I'm invested in. It is a passion that I have because I want other kids to feel the way that I do now. And I want kids to know that their value is priceless and that they shouldn't listen to anything or anyone who tells them otherwise. I want kids to know that they are amazing and that their parents love them and that they just want to help them. This is my calling. I've realized that this is something that I feel like I was divinely inspired to do. This is something that I hope I will be able to have a lot of reach with. I'm still in the very early phases, but I'm working as hard as I can to make this something that will work out and to make this something that I can do fairly long term. You know how it is starting up and trying to do all of that.
0: So a lot of the people that I've been interviewing, they've been in business for years. Then another part of the reason why I want to get you on here is to kind of show like the efforts of, well, number one, you're (laughs) 17 and your midlife crisis at age 16 now has made you like, you know, you're like this mini adult that is just like trying to save the world in the way that you have the passion for. I remember saying to you on the plane, like, Your nonprofit with your drive and how strongly you feel. And when I hear you talk even right now and I get emotional, I know that you are going to be successful and you're going to get that message out there one way or another. You're not going to stop. You are so committed to this, that this vision that you have created and the connections that you have made, they're just going to continue you're going to have bumps along the road. Like, yeah. It, and you, I don't know if you've listened to any of the like business owner podcasts, but it's not a straight line. One of the gals had said on um, a couple of mm-hmm. days ago, it's not a straight line, always bumps in the road and we're always putting out fires and we're always trying to figure out, Oh, that didn't work. Let's go this way. And you're definitely going to, Battle that. But as long as you have the right people in your corner cheering you on and you're focused on the end goal of what you're trying to achieve, and that goal, Mm -hmm. you may hit that goal and then you may make a new goal. You are just so inspiring to me. And I know that sharing this story with others is going to inspire others and also get your message out there. And when I think like 30 years from now, You're starting this with a passion, and in 30 years, that can be a $2 million nonprofit helping, you know, and then you get all these statistics. How many Mm -hmm. families, how many kids have we helped to get to the point where you are right now today?
1: I think every 17-year-old, 16-year-old should start a business because the great thing about it is, like, I have very few living expenses. I can basically run with this for a long time, and if I get keep getting knocked down, I can just get up for about two years without any financial consequences, but it is something that I think will do very well because I'm starting it from a place of Mm -hmm. love and because I, I want to help people. I mean, obviously already there's just been so much support, so much love. And I think that is what will get me through. Everywhere I've gone, I've traveled a little bit, been to Reno and San Diego as well. Everywhere I've gone, there are people there who are generous and who give me, like you, give me advice, give me things that I need to know And because this is a cause that every single person should be invested in, there's been that love. There's been that support. I think parents especially see their kids in me and they want to help because they love their kids. Not only am I ultra passionate about it, I think it's a great idea as well. And so I hope that it works out. I hope that it continues to be a success. I will be busting my butt every step along the way to make sure that it does.
0: I'm behind you 100%. Oh, my gosh. I remember one thing that you told me, and I think that this is so interesting. You started a nonprofit. Yeah. You can't even be yeah, on and... the board because you're not 18 yet. How yeah. silly is that? Like, you've got this. You're filling the positions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with people that you trust.
1: What <laughs> When and... I was filing... attorney was like, well, let's try and get you on paperwork in shares. And then he called me back and he was like, no, you can't do that. So I gave 51% of my company to my mom and 49% to my dad. My parents have been Mm -hmm. amazing throughout this. And my dad actually got laid off in April or May due to the pandemic. So he's been working with me. He actually might be working for me. He's gotten a few job offers, but nothing good enough to take. So Um, We're working towards possibly Mm -hmm. having my dad as the CEO of our nonprofit. My parents, again, they're just saints. They went through that hardship with me. And I think being my parents, they felt that pain because they just wanted their sweet boy back. They really are invested Mm -hmm. and they've done amazing things. Um, My mom gets calls all the time from random moms who just want to talk to her about their family. My dad Mm -hmm. is just so Mm -hmm. passionate and so invested in my cause. Every person we talk to every day. He goes on talking about my company and my movement and my nonprofit. They've really been, again, another reason why I can do this because without them, I wouldn't be anywhere. They taught me, even as a young kid, they taught me how to work. They're always behind me, helping me make decisions, helping me make the right decisions, leading me towards resources, connecting me with other people who can help me make those right decisions. They've just been incredible. And I can't thank them enough for what they've done.
0: You're just an amazing kid and they, your whole family sounds amazing. And when I hear you speak about them, I just hope that one day (laughs) my kids say the same. It's just very, very, very rare to hear these words from someone so young. And so the inspiration of not only what you're doing, but just overall your positivity and your overcoming of something that felt so mm-hmm. negative in your life and turning it into a positive. It's mind blowing, really, for me, because I talk to a lot of people that, you know, it takes years for, for some mm-hmm. people to get to the point where you are at and you're, you know, you've barely yeah. even just started. You can't even be on your business license. You're an inspiration and excited yeah. to see where this goes for you. I love your story. I think that as you move forward, we are on your side. Anything that we can do to help you reach out, I'm going to keep checking in on you. I've got
1: all these like second mothers now because I just meet moms.
0: (laughs) and They love you and they're like, oh, can you be my son? I've always wanted a son. Is there anything, is there anything, this is the question that they ask everyone towards the end, that you want to share with others, and I think I'd really like to position this to kids, um, like high schoolers that have a passion for something but might be afraid to do it. Like, do you have any advice?
1: There's a quote from Abe Lincoln, and he says, "It's not about the years in your life; it's about the life in your years." And I think about that a lot now that Colin's gone, because he just mm-hmm. packed so much into his life, and he mm-hmm. did so many amazing things. So, if you're out there, if you're if there's something that you want to do, go get it. Don't waste your time you know, on social media or technology or doing things that you don't want to do because at the end of your life, you're going to be more disappointed in the things that you didn't do than things that you did do. And so if there's something out there that's good and wholesome and can help others, especially that you want to do, go do that and go make yourself happy and go feel that joy, that real connection. That's the most important thing, thing that you can do in your life. And that's the first step to helping others is to help yourself and to um, love yourself first.
0: That is amazing and let's just say we dedicate this episode to colin whom i've never met but has made an impact on you and me and so many others Mm -hmm. and you're gonna continue to flourish you will always be the mentor that started you on this journey yeah you know amazing story i think we should do an interview maybe in a couple years and see where you're at
1: definitely keep you updated
0: And you started a podcast. Let's see, what's that called?
1: So it's called the Live Life Bigger podcast. My first episode should be out at the beginning of next week.
0: Okay. So we're going to keep an ear out for that. Yep. And then your website.
1: So my website is www.protect, and that's spelled P R O T E C H T, and then strong, S T R O N G, dot com. My Instagram's Strong as well. I don't run it. I have someone run it, but she does an amazing job. She does great on carrying on, you know, the message that I want to spread.
0: You are becoming a nonprofit, a 501c3. And this is one of the conversations we had on the plane is in order to do what you do, nonprofits, they need funding. I am encouraging those that are listening to this. How do you, how are you collecting donations?
1: we're going to have our 501c3 status probably by January February if you need to park some money somewhere for that tax write off we can take donations we can feed it through a non that we're working closely with.
0: It's a fiscal sponsor yeah. that then is still a write-off for the people who are donating. So right. how do they donate to you? Um, they're listening to this and they want to, and they're like, oh my gosh.
1: Um, yeah, if you'll just email me at Strong, just like my Instagram at gmail.com, we can work something out. I appreciate any donations at all.
0: I'm so proud of you. Thank you. My, my second son yeah. that <laughs> everyone else is sharing too. Yep. <laughs> That's
1: right.